Hi, everyone. Welcome to How to College for First Gens, our podcast where we get together over some coffee to have real conversations about what it's like to be a first-generation student before, during, and after college. If you are a new listener, our goal as first-generation students is to share knowledge that we've gained along the way, learn a bit more about the experience from other first-generation students, and hopefully help others going through some of the same challenges we've experienced by sharing lessons learned from fellow first-gens. I'm Cody Daly, one of the show's guest hosts, a first-generation college student from Chicago, Illinois, whose job as a post-secondary counselor is to help and inspire the next generation of first-generation students. With the rising cost of college, one might say that being able to afford college is as important today as it has ever been. Today's episode will focus on maybe the most important financial resource available to students, the FAFSA, which stands for the Free Application for Federal Student Aid. The FAFSA is an application that students can fill out to see if they would qualify for free money for college. The FAFSA determines eligibility for on-campus employment, federal programs, federal loans, and even state or institutional grants or scholarships at the college they plan to attend. Understanding how to navigate and complete the FAFSA can be a confusing process, especially for those with no experience. Today, our guests plan to share their first-generation experience with the FAFSA in hopes of shedding light on this important resource. Now, let's meet our guests. On today's episode, we will start with the experience of a high school student as they navigate the FAFSA completion. Today's first guest will be Amani Suleiman, a high school student in Tinley Park, Illinois. Hi, Amani. How are you doing? Hi, Mr. Daly. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Well, thank you for being here. Super excited to have you on today's episode and for you to share with our listeners your experience with the FAFSA. Thank you for having me. I'm more than happy to share my experience. Awesome. So before we get started with talking about the FAFSA and all that fun stuff, if you don't mind, let's also have you introduce yourself to the listeners. Okay, sounds good. Hi, everyone. My name's Emeni Suleiman. I go to Andrew High School. This is actually my second year at Andrew. I used to go to Argo High School in Summit. I'm a proud Palestinian American woman. I lived overseas for two and a half years, and then I moved back and here I am at Andrew. Awesome. And Amani is a part of our first generation group at our high school, the T-Bolt Trailblazers as well. Do you think that's been an awesome experience for you? That's been an, an amazing experience. It's helped me so much and it's helped me navigate through this whole college experience that I have no idea what I would do without it. I'm glad to hear that. So, Amani, this is a perfect time to kind of discuss um, one specific topic, and that being financial aid. I first want to start with asking you, you know, obviously you're in the middle of college application season, you're applying to some schools. How important is the role of financial aid in your college decision process, even just in terms of where you might apply or where you might be interested in? It's very important. Coming from a lower income family, it's helped so much. And it's helped me realize that money should be the least of my concerns while going to get an education and forming my future. Would you say you've heard that from other students too, that a lot of the financial piece is kind of one of the most important pieces of that puzzle? Yes, I have for sure. Yeah, that's definitely probably the most important thing that I've heard students say. All right. So in terms of the financial aid process, that includes a lot of different things. But today we're here to talk about the FAFSA. And I'm curious, when and how were you first introduced to FAFSA or even maybe the concept of financial aid? And what were your initial thoughts when you learned of it? Yeah. So I first heard of the word FAFSA at my old school, Argo. I used to see posters all over the school about FAFSA Friday, come during lunch and things like that. And I was like a freshman, sophomore walking through the hall, not knowing exactly what that is. But since I moved to Andrew, this first generation college group helped me a lot understand what FAFSA is and how it works and how much it uh, 
it will help me through my college application. And do you think that now, you know, you've learned a lot about the specifics of it as well? Like not just that it exists, but how it works? Yes, for sure. Do you remember any specific key facts or tips that you remember being given out about the FAFSA? I remember being told to do it with a, a parent or guardian so they can give you all that all of that information and help you through it. My personally my my dad helped me through this even though I am a first generation college student. He did help me through the like tax stuff, the income, things like that. He helped me a lot through that. Yeah, and that's such a big help, right? I mean, it's definitely not just the student, there's so much in there for the parent too. Yes, for sure. Honestly, a lot of it I couldn't have done without like my dad and all of that tax talk and all of that. I I needed help with that. So my dad was a great help with that, with that specific part of the FAFSA. I'm glad that you bring that up because I think that's so important and High schoolers, especially, <laughs> you know, you're you're not expected to be tax experts. So when it asks about different income or different information financially, it's kind of hard to know where to look. So that's great that your your dad was there to help you. I'm curious. Um, you mentioned that your dad has helped you. Have you already completed your FAFSA for the next school year? I have completed my FAFSA. It was, you know, I was stressing out about it, trying, you know, I just want to get it done. I actually finished it last weekend and it's uh, been processed. Now I just need to actually apply and then they'll tell me all of the information. And what would you say was the most stressful part about completing the FAFSA? Honestly, it was all of that income questions and things like that. Just because, you know, I actually had to look for it through financial documentations, things like that. That was probably the overall just more, I guess, frustrating part, just going through the pages and trying to figure out where, like, for example, the gross income is and you're, you know, you're just trying to find all of that. But otherwise, everything else was pretty straightforward. Yeah. And I know that you are someone who is always prepared, which is great. (laughs) And so I'm sure that was kind of stressful or frustrating because for some of the sections that you mentioned, you were pretty much relying on your parent, right? Yes, for sure. So you probably filled out some of the earlier stuff pretty easily, but then kind of had to, to stop to get that help. Yeah, for sure. I was like on a roll like, oh, this is not bad. This is, you know, going very good until they asked me about gross income and things like that. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to need help with this. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and when did you, I'm curious, I know that you you finished it last weekend, which is great. When did you start it? I started it the weekend before I actually finished it. I started filling it out, you know, it asked for the basic questions. Um, so that, like I said, that was easy and that went pretty smoothly. But then it took a while for my dad to find all of the financial documentations. I had to wait to get that back and then I finished it. Perfect. Glad you glad you got that done in the month of October. That's awesome. Now, when you learned about the FAFSA, as we've already alluded to, the parent part is a huge part. And you've already mentioned that your dad assisted you. But when did you first talk to your family about the FAFSA? Like, when did you first start having those conversations? And how did those conversations go? Yeah, so I've always been worried about what college I'm going to, how much I'm going to be paying to go there, things like that since my freshman year. So I've always been doing my research about different colleges. And when I go to like the tab of admissions and financial aid, I would always be going through it, but I never actually understood what it is and how the process went. And so then you probably had that that conversation like with your family about about the FAFSA then? Yeah. So I, I went to my dad and I'm just like, okay, like, what am I doing now? Should I pick a college? Like, for example, like, should I pick a private university that's more expensive? And will it give me a lot of financial aid or not? Will it help me go to my dream college? Things like that, just making sure that I'm financially ready for college. I was always worried about that. But ever since filling out the FAFSA, I feel pretty mentally and financially prepared. 
which that has to be such a relief, right? Because we just talked about how financially was such, such an important piece of the puzzle for you. So kind of having that peace of mind, I'm sure just makes you feel a bit more relieved about the process overall. Yes, for sure. It, it was like so much weight just lifted off my shoulders and I just felt so good. <laughs> so I'm glad that you brought that up. That's such an interesting point that you brought up. Are you applying to a mix of public and private schools or are you applying to just private schools or just public schools? I'm applying to all sorts of schools. I'm pretty much just going to, like I said, apply to all of them and whatever one gives me the best offer, I'll go forward with that one. Yeah. And that's such a great point that you just brought up about, you know, will private schools be able to still be the good deal in the long run? because you definitely see the cost, right, of the private schools. Yes, for sure. can often be much larger, but sometimes those can be the more affordable options, you know. So I'm glad that you're applying to a mix of schools, and then you'll be able to truly see who gives you the best offer. Now, going back to your FAFSA completion, what were some of your first steps that you took before even doing the form? So before even logging on to FAFSA.gov, what were some of the initial steps you took? I did my part as a student, which is go ask what things mean. Like, for example, the FAFSA. I didn't know what it was. So I went to the first generation college meetings. I talked to my counselor about it. I think it's just very important to understand what it is and what it will do for you before you actually just log in and start filling out all these forms. Right, because that gives you some background information and even knowing... I know that we always talked about, we would share like the list of documents, which is good to know, right? Because if you're, if you're completing it, but you don't know what info you need, <laughs> yeah. you'll kind of take a couple, couple detours. And wh- when would you say you started preparing? Was it kind of this fall or did you prepare it all like over the summer? I would say this fall. I spent a lot of last year just processing the information about college and like you said, the forms and documents and things I'm supposed to know. And then I actually started going more into detail with all of that information this fall. Well, perfect time to do so. Yep. Besides your parents, um, were there any other people or any other resources that you use to help you with the FAFSA process? Uh, Yes, I actually, my cousin helped me. She's a senior at UIC. And I used to like FaceTime her and be like, um, I have no idea what I'm doing. What does this question mean? Like besides the fi- financial documentations, everything else, like the other questions, she would help me and help me understand because she's filled it out multiple times before. So yeah, she was she was a really big help. Good. Well, I'm glad. It's always good to have those relatives or those friends that can kind of help you out in those ways. So I'm glad that she was there for you. And do you think you have any, like, now experiencing doing the FAFSA, do you think you have any lessons learned that next time you'll definitely take with you when you complete the financial aid going forward? Yeah. And honestly, I feel like I can also help others. Like, I have a friend that lives in New Jersey, and we were saying that we were going to fill out the FAFSA. And she asked me a question the other day that I was able to answer because I already filled it out. And my cousin and my dad help understand that. So I was able to help her out and I'll be able to go through the process really easily in the future. And do you think that you'll probably file the FAFSA every year then for college? Yes, for sure. That's a great, great decision because, yeah, your financial aid can be evaluated every single year. So you can definitely still get different amounts of financial aid each year going forward. So that's great. Do you know much about your next steps when it comes to the FAFSA? Do you know kind of what happens from here? Not really, to be honest. Um, They said that it would need two to five days to be processed, and I got an email that it, it was processed. But I don't really know what happens from there. I don't know if I apply, and then they tell me how much I get and all of that information. And did you put all of your colleges that you're applying to on the FAFSA? Yes. So the FAFSA results will go directly to those colleges and they will be able to kind of create those like financial aid award letters for you. 
So it's great that you did your FAFSA so early because now they'll be able to package your financial aid even earlier too. And for the listeners as well, the colleges might also require some additional documents. So sometimes they ask for proof of like taxes or something just to verify, but a lot of that will will come from the colleges. So that's what's great about the FAFSA is you complete your part, but then the college kind of does the rest, you know? And so you'll probably get that like second semester. What are you hoping to get in terms of financial aid packaging? Are you hoping to um, get like scholarships or grants or loans? What are some of your, your items that you're hoping you qualify for? I'm hoping I qualify for scholarships and grants for sure. The colleges I'm really interested in, I really loved are private and are more expensive. So I'm hoping they can help me a lot with that. And can you kind of in your own words, tell us what the difference is or between scholarships and grants or what those things are? So from my understanding, I would interpret and say that scholarships are merit-based and most grants are need-based. So that's, I would assume it depends on whether or not they need it financially. Like if they're, I guess I would say like very low income families and they would need it more, they would get more grants. That's awesome. And you sound like a financial aid expert because you (laughs) use terms like need-based and merit-based. Yeah. So scholarships can be given out for a lot of different reasons. Like you mentioned, you can get it for merit-based reasons. So like grades, test scores, you can get scholarships for a lot of other various reasons. There are some that are based financially, but tons and tons of different things. The grants, as you mentioned, are always need-based. Yeah. So always um, you're going to have to qualify for those financially. Do you consider both of them to be free money for college? I wouldn't necessarily say free money. I would, I, I, my interpretation of it is like gifted money that you worked so hard. Like, well, this is mainly for like scholarships. Like you worked so hard that you should get that amount of money. And, but for the, for the grants, I would say it's more of like free money. I'm so glad that you put it that way. Cause yes, absolutely. Like, you know, one might think that free money, we're just handing out checks, <laughs> but for, yeah, for scholarships, you typically have to earn them in some ways. So that's a really insightful thought of like, you know, I worked hard in school to get this. So it wasn't necessarily free, right? You put in hours of studying and doing well in your classes or, you know, if it's for different reasons, fine arts or athletics, you trained and you practiced. So there is that that responsibility on your end. One quick other thing. So if there are high school seniors like your friend in New Jersey who's completing the FAFSA, what is one tip you would give them for the FAFSA? So one tip I would give you guys is... Make sure you have all your documentations, your financial documentations, your school records, the list of colleges you guys want to go to. Make sure you guys have that already. It just makes the process faster and you can honestly just get it over with faster and just get that weight off your shoulders and be all stress-free. That's a great, great tip. I will second that. And what do you think could make financial aid easier for students? Like, how could this process be easier or better? Okay, so like I said earlier, having those financial documents ready and maybe the help of, you know, people who have actually gone through this process, maybe older siblings or my case, cousins, school counselors, Mr. Daly, um, just, just have like the support and help of people who have gone through it. It's always good to have those who've done it for or those who specialize in that area to help you. You know, I'm curious, you mentioned that at Argo, you saw like posters and you saw stuff about the FAFSA. And this might, this might go into alignment with what you were saying, but 
do you think it might be helpful if students knew like earlier about what the FAFSA is? For sure. I mean, knowing everything beforehand is also very good and it will help for future references. Great. Any final thoughts that you have for our listeners on financial aid or FAFSA? I would just say, take your time with it. Honestly, just enjoy the process. Being a first-generation college student, I've just knowing that my parents never had the opportunity to. Something as small as just filling out the FAFSA, they never got to do it. Just be grateful that you have the opportunity to go to college and do all this. And like I said, just enjoy the process and enjoy what you've got. Awesome. Well, that's a great message. And I'm so glad you shared that. So thank you so much for being here. Best of luck on the rest of your applications. I know we're getting closer to some deadlines and best of luck as you navigate the college decision process. Thank you so much for being here, Manny. Thank you for having me. Good luck, everyone, on on filling out your FAFSA. As we shift to the conversation relating to the FAFSA, we'll now speak to a current college student and their experience with the FAFSA. Now we welcome Noelia. Hi, Noelia. How are you? Hi, Cody. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. Super excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. I'm so excited. Of course. (laughs) So before we get started, um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. So hi, everyone. I'm Noelia Puentes. I'm currently studying marketing at the University of Texas at Austin and will be graduating as a first gen next spring. Um, I'm originally from Far Texas, which is in the Rio Grande Valley, the 956, <laughs> where I graduated high school from Idea Far in 2017. My parents were raised in the border city, Reynosa, Mexico. So my parents have always worked really hard to give my brother and I a better life, even without a college degree. Awesome. Well, we're really excited for you to share your experience today with our listeners. So today, Noelia, we're talking about the FAFSA, which is a, a big part of the conversation when it comes to college, mostly because for most students, the financial piece is likely the biggest factor to them. So to get us kicked off, when did you first hear about the FAFSA? Or when were you first introduced to the ideas of financial aid? And do you remember some of your initial thoughts? So like growing up, like I'm a low income student. So my mom has always like instilled this idea on me that like in order to like have a better life, I needed a college degree. And I can, I also associated that with like, you know, having like stable income. So I always knew that in order to go to college, I would need financial aid. Like I was introduced to financial aid probably in middle school. I attended Idea Far, and as some people may know, like Idea is very focused on college readiness. So I always knew that in order to be able to go to college, I would need financial aid. Yeah, I think that a lot of students feel feel that same way. But when you look back at maybe some of your high school days or even in college, um, how difficult was it to complete the financial aid, like the FAFSA mm-hmm. in different forms? Yeah. So for me, honestly, it's kind of it was easier in high school. Because I had the guidance of three counselors and they were awesome. They, I had also like a very small graduating class. We were like 80 students. So what they did was that they had separate meetings. They had like a parent meeting where they like educated the parents of what is FAFSA, what documents they would need beforehand. So that was like coming up to the opening of FAFSA. So when the day came, they separated us by groups. And like after school, like we all went with our parents and they had a college students from UTRGV come in and help us in any any questions that we had. They literally like guided us through the whole process of it. If we didn't know what a term meant, they would like they helped us like hey, like no worries. The thing with being first gen is that you yourself don't understand some of these terms and then there you go with your parents and they have questions and it's with things that you can't really help them with because you need help yourself. So it was nice having the guidance from my counselors and other people's help. Coming into college, college was different, especially like at UT was like a really big school. Like I went in with a lot of culture shocked and like my first semester was pretty hard. Like I was stressed and then comes in FAFSA. Oh, I had to do it by myself this time. 
But yeah, another thing was my parents aren't the most organized with financial papers or whenever there's like legal things that I have to do for them, they're, they don't feel as secure to do it or they're very nervous about doing it because they think that I might accidentally do fraud or something, which is also one of my, was one of my fears going into doing the FAFSA. But after the first time I did it by myself, it actually went pretty smoothly. So I was really relieved that was about it. Well, that's awesome that your high school provided so many resources to you. And as a high school counselor myself, I'm super happy that you brought up how there's so much support in high school, you know, um, as you're exiting high school, whether it be with applications or financial aid. And sometimes in college, there's different responsibilities, you know, and so always, I think you would probably agree, but I always stress to my students, always take advantage of the help that you have in high school, because the assistance you got at that time probably helped you a lot with it, Mm -hmm. you know, in college. So that's great. But I'm curious also, you know, with the FAFSA, it is not just student info, but maybe the most important information is the parent information. Did they help at all with that? Yeah. So like, uh, for me, the I primarily like would talk to my my dad didn't want to have anything to do with the FAFSA. He was just like, here's my W2 and that's it. So for when it, there's a, this part in the FAFSA where they ask you there if your parents have an IRS account, so that way they can easily transfer all of their information. So I made it for my mom. So that's also like a very important thing to always like keep somewhere safe, maybe like in your notes or something that you're going to create this account. And they're going to have access to like their W-2s and all their income taxes. So you don't have to input everything manually. But with my mom, it's it's mostly that I, it's literally her just giving me all the documents that I need, which is the hardest part since she's not the most organized. Like my mom's a Latino mom that keeps like important documents under the mattress. <laughs> like that's always like been the most stressful part about doing the FAP. So it was like gathering all the documents and having my mom trust me like, hey, like, it's okay. Like I'm not going to give your social security number to a stranger like this confidential like you'll be fine yeah that document part is definitely kind of one of the most challenging parts i would think with with parents so and then how much did your financial aid play a part in your selection of the colleges that you either looked at or the college you eventually went to ut austin so a lot of the colleges that i got accepted to so i got that from the top of my mind that I can remember was Emory, the University of Virginia, Kalamazoo, and then in Texas, it was like Trinity University, A&M, and like also the also the my hometown college, which is UTRGV, and then UT Austin, of course. And they all gave me like pretty good financial aid. Like I was lucky enough to choose the college based of like other factors other than financial aid. For UT Austin, I had a lot of help from my from my guidance counselors, but I think this what I messed up was I didn't really understand my financial aid completely. <laughs> so I didn't know it was by semester. I thought it was this whole year thing or I don't I don't remember where the confusion was. So I had like misunderstanding with my housing where how they would take in payments that I didn't because I thought I was like, Oh, I have enough. Like I would even have like like money left over. But turns out for my school they would for if you were paying with financial aid for the housing they wanted it completely like they didn't they couldn't do payments that was very stressful like I had to like kind of uh seek a lot of like help from my financial aid office because but in the end it got fixed (laughs) you know oftentimes students when they complete the FAFSA they submit it they're like okay I'm done (laughs) but really they're probably just halfway through the process and the reality of things so there's a whole process after the FAFSA. What do you remember about that process? I remember, so yeah, the FAFSA is just one part, especially like with UT. They have like this whole scholarship system. So it's like you submit you submit your FAFSA and then they ask you a lot of like, of, of a lot of like questions to see what other types of scholarships you qualify, whether it be need-based or like academically award-based. But yeah, that was that was also I remember it being kind of like a long process, but I only did it once for UT. Then after that, like that was like during high school. And then after that, it was just all FAFSA. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. When you complete your FAFSA, every single student who completes the FAFSA gets um, what they call the EFC, oh, which exactly. is the expected family contribution. Mm-hmm. Do you remember knowing what that was? Or do you remember like your schools like communicating what that number was? Yeah, I remember, I remember learning about it as I was doing it. 
like my counselors being like, oh, and by the way, you're going to get this number and that's what they calculate your family can contribute. So what I don't like about the FAFSA was that it considers your family's income from the year prior. They don't really ask questions about what's currently going on right now. And I remember, well, I did my first time I did my FAFSA was in 2016. And so they were considering that my parents' income from 2015. And my dad actually had like a pretty good year compared to where we were then. So I was very stressed out. Oh, they're going to have this income, but it doesn't currently reflect the situation that we're in right now. So we had my EFC was $8,000. And I was like, and when my mom saw this, she's like, there's no way. And I was like, yeah, I know. And my counselor was like, calm down. Like there's still other things that you can do uh, for this. So then that's when she told me about the special circumstance letter so that they can consider so that they will be able to consider that when they were making my financial aid package. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up that example because many times families, when they see that EFC, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm expected to pay all of that. (laughs) And depending on various circumstances, their financial situation might not be reflective. And so, so glad you pointed that out because... Your counselor was amazing to bring up the special circumstance letters. Those letters are a really good resource for families to know about. So when you completed the FAFSA, um, after it processes and everything, um, all of that information then went to all of the schools that you are interested in. So on your FAFSA, you likely listed all of the schools that you previously mentioned. Did those schools reach out to you at all with additional paperwork or about a process called verification? Yes. So I got a letter from the University of Virginia and then also UT Austin. And so what those uh, what those are is like don't don't stress about it. It's not like they're like oh like you're suspicious of something. No, but they they just want like it's a simple process of verification that verifying your financial need. So they ask questions: How many people are in your household? Uh, do they go to school? Like what other spendings do you have? Is there another income? Like does someone do something like in the side, or is there another expense that you may have? So that's just to verify your financial aid. And I feel like honestly that was kind of more uh, human. It was. You know, like where you can actually put names to your family and like, this is how we live. Yeah, and absolutely. And I know the process of verification can be very taxing and very time consuming, especially if you're applying to like multiple schools, you know, I just always stress to students and families that it's just a simple check system. You know, you're going to fill out a lot of papers that look very similar um, from very, you know, different colleges. Yeah, it can be can be kind of a, a taxing process and a time consuming process at that. Did your parents ever were they ever required to submit any sort of tax paperwork? Yes. Besides like the W two, I think I submitted like their whole I forgot what the form the tax form is called, but I would send like them copies of my my uh, parents' uh, tax income. Sometimes schools will ask for that. Sometimes they will ask for the 1040s and yeah. the 1040ezs and you know whatever parents yeah. filed. I always to remind students and families too that one way to kind of help with that process is if you do the IRS tool that'll pretty much count as your verification because it's directly from the IRS. So that can help be kind of a time saver as well. In terms of numbers, you kind of already alluded to this, but how much did the numbers vary from school to school? Did you notice that some schools were giving you, you know, way more than others? Yeah. So a lot of it was also like some numbers I was like, oh my God, they're giving me $120,000. But then you have to consider out-of-state tuition. UT Austin, like they gave me a pretty good offer i was initially i was like thinking of going out of, like out of state but then i just i decided to stay at ut austin since they had like a great business program and they offered me pre- pretty good financial aid and i was also considering a&m but, and they actually my, my counselors were, re- were very surprised that they gave that ut gave me a better offer than a&m because they're known to have like better financial aid than than ut but ut like with their scholarship application process they gave me three scholarships which i still have so that was what made my offer pretty awesome. In your financial aid award letters, if you can think back outside of the FAFSA, so like Pell Grant and, you know, miscellaneous state grants, and then you also mentioned scholarships that you applied for. Did you have any other funding sources or other types of financial aid that you were given on your financial aid award letters by schools? 
for the Pell Grant, it's actually interesting. Uh, I didn't automatically qualify for it since like my EFC was $8,000. But right. during my time at when my first semester, when I realized like, oh my God, like I actually like repeal my, my financial offer. Like I had to go to the financial aid office and tell them my situation because at the time my dad lost his job. And then my financial aid, aid couldn't cover. Uh, so I had to explain to them like what my situation was. And at the financial aid, like I think they're trained to be neutral. But at the end, like they sent me all the paperwork that I needed to do. I asked my dad for it and all the documents of like his work, like all the expenses that he had. And like some, I just, just submitted everything. And I'm, I'm like, as proof. And then they communicated with FAFSA. So they re, uh, reevaluated my FAFSA and they made my EFC zero. That's awesome. Well, and I think it's interesting because, if, you know, looking back at your senior year of high school, you probably worked a lot with the admissions department, mm-hmm. but obviously the FAFSA discussion goes through the financial aid department. And so, you know, it can be challenging or scary or nerve wracking to open up to someone who you've never met before <laughs> about life circumstances and different things. Do you remember feeling some apprehension about reaching out to the financial aid office or what were some of the feelings, you know, in that initial kind of contact? Yeah. So I was very stressed out and very emotional. So I remember, I remember I was crying in my dorm because I did, I was like, how am I going to pay for this? I'm like, they're going to kick me out or something. Like I was super stressed. And my friends were just like, just go, just go. And I, I, I went, so there was a lot of people. So that's when I think like, oh my God, all these people need help. Like, why would they help me? But yeah, she like, she just like checked my financial aid. She went through it with me, which was very helpful. That's great. Well, I'm so glad you had that experience. I can't help but think that you've mentioned um, your counselor already a few times. Um, and it seems like um, your counselor was really important throughout this financial aid process. Mm-hmm. And I know that sometimes students, especially first generation students, might think that with FAFSA, they're kind of on their own sometimes. But can you just maybe talk about how much your counselor helped you with that process? Yeah, for sure. Well, like for my school, I was actually part of the first graduating class. So as we were, we, we were all going through it together. Like they have, of course, my counselors, I have three counselors, but the main, my, the main one that was assigned to me was Ms. Trejo. But yeah, she really helps like outline everything. Like what is FAFSA? Like what you're going to, like, I don't think I would have been able to do it alone at all. Or even like a special circumstance. Like I feel like I wouldn't have known about this special circumstance letter. I, I would have thought that, that it's FAFSA and that's it. My counselors were definitely like the biggest help. And yeah, I I can't, I probably wouldn't be where I am without them. Really happy to hear that you had such a great support system at your school. Also, as a college student, you've already mentioned this, but um, do you renew your FAFSA each year? And if so, what has that process been like? Was it different than the first time you did the FAFSA? Yeah. So this is actually the first year in college that I did that I didn't have to do my FAFSA. But my the first time after high school, it was pretty stressful because I, I was again like I was alone. And then also with my second year, it was a bit different because my brother was also in the process of applying for FAFSA for the first time. And the difference was that for his school, they he didn't. We went to different high schools, and his high school didn't have as much support as mine did. So a lot of his FAFSA, FAFSA was like me support me, me doing it for him, which right. was just a little bit stressful. It, there's one thing of my financial aid, but there's another thing of his relying on mine. But I I felt that he had work compared to his high school experience and mine. I felt good being able to have experience with FAFSA, you know, experience to help him. Yeah, this is a really great thing that I always like to ask students, um, especially in college or even um, post-college, but what do you think could make financial aid easier for students? Uh, definitely just like having an organization system, be organized, like have any possible documents already set, all their information, ha- go in with the plan and don't be afraid to ask for help and just know that nothing is final. Like you can always make changes. Someone would have told me that from the beginning, you know, before going into it, because I thought it was just like set in stone. But no, there's a lot of like things that you can change in the future. Also, um, just to follow up on that, you know, we've talked a lot about what you've learned throughout this process, you know, be it from the help from your counselor or be it from, you know, working with the financial aid office. I'm curious if you could go back to tell your high school self one tip (laughs) about FAFSA or financial aid. What do you think you would tell your high school self? I would tell myself to organize myself better. 
like organize my mom's documents because that's always been that was always the hardest part was gathering all those documents and yeah just have a plan it'll be it'll make things a lot less stressful all right well yeah well any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners about your experience with financial aid and the fafsa yeah uh just like know that nothing is set in stone and to always like advocate for yourself that, that that that's my most helpful advice for every and everyone that's listening. Yeah, that's that's great advice, and you can definitely advocate for yourself in many different ways. You know, through the college application process. You know, when you get the letters, but even like you said in college with mm-hmm. various changes. So mm-hmm. awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate it. Your experience and you sharing the experience, I'm sure, has been so valuable to our listeners. And you've certainly helped them learn how to college um, as first-generation students. So thank you so much for being here, Noelia. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was an awesome conversation. Now we welcome to the podcast, Thomas Semanic. Hi, Thomas. How are you? I'm good, Cody. How you doing? Great. Thank you. So um, today we're talking about the FAFSA. And first, I'd love to have you introduce yourself to our audience. Absolutely. Uh, so my name is Tom Semanic. I grew up in Bridgeview, Illinois. I still live here. It's on the southwest side of Chicago. I went to Argo Community High School in Summit, Illinois. I am a first-generation college student. So when I graduated Argo in 2015, I uh, transferred out over to North Central College in Naperville. and was there for four years. I graduated in June of 2019 with my undergrad in political science and conflict resolution. Then right after that, I got my job at ISAC, the Illinois Student Assistance Commission, which is the state's financial aid agency. And I am currently pursuing a master's degree through Northern Illinois University, which would be in public administration, the local an emphasis in local government. That's awesome. Glad to have you here as a part of our podcast. So now let's go ahead and talk. You know, you are obviously come from a unique perspective as a first generation student who now works with students in terms of the financial aid process. When were you first introduced to the FAFSA and financial aid in general? And do you remember like any of your initial thoughts? Yeah. So um, I probably didn't hear about FAFSA until uh, maybe my late junior, early senior year of high school. I don't really know like what it was. Like I didn't really remember what it was. All I knew is that I had to get it done in order to access kind of some kind of free money to go to college. We're a working class here and uh, my family. So I knew that was very important, but I really didn't know a lot of the details of it. I just remember hearing counselors talk about, you got to get this thing done if you want to get some kind of free money to go to school. So you talked about your family. In what ways did your parents ever help with the FAFSA or the financial aid process? What was their role in that? Uh, They had no role. They did not help me at all because they didn't know how to, unfortunately. So neither of my parents graduated from college, so they had no idea what this process was. So I had to fill out FAFSA by myself. Now, in terms of going back to high school, how did your high school or even your college that you ended up going to, North Central College, how did those places assist you in completing the FAFSA or applying for various amounts of financial aid? Not much, to be honest. Argo, I think, did a good job of making it like aware for us. Like They told us what it was and that it was out there and what site to go to. But that was about it. So they just kind of told us this is something you need to do. And they made me aware of it. But I was pretty much on my own to that point. Um, I now work at Argo Community High School. They're one of my schools. So I actually got to work with my old counselor, which is was really funny. And I remember, you know, asking her, like, I don't remember ISAC being a thing here when I was here. She was like, yeah, she goes, we, we started that the year after you graduated. I said, oh, of course you did. So it was just kind of interesting to talk about, you know, some of the details that ISEC's been able to kind of help with them in terms of letting students know about what FAFSA is, because we've been able to give more details and information to the students. North Central College, when I got there, I pretty much knew what it was. I knew I had to get it done every single year. So North Central would just remind you, they would have flyers out all over campus and say, all right, it's October 1st, make sure you get it done. So just more reminders about, you know, remember this needs to get done. That's such a cool experience that you now have the chance to work with students in the community that you grew up in. How you now work in financial aid. Did you learn anything through your position at ISAC that you didn't know 
as a high school or even a college student? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I now know the FAFSA, for example, inside and out pretty much. Um, I don't know everything, but I know a lot more than I did when I was in high school. So that has been huge. I learned a lot about scholarships and just that like they're available for people. There's a lot of different sites they have for scholarships and uh, you know, a lot of different organizations kind of sponsor them and whatnot. But I learned a lot about, you know, what to kind of focus on and how they can be very beneficial if you put the work in. I also learned a lot about loans, which I had no idea about in high school, um, even in college, for example. Once you graduate, they have a lot of maybe loan forgiveness options. So depending upon the field you go to, maybe the medical field or even in public service, like I'm currently in, they can forgive all of your loan debt depending upon how many years you work in that field. So just different things like that, working through this position, a lot of the inside information that, you know, high school students, uh, first generation or even not first generation, really don't have access to. Going along with that question, now that you work kind of boots on the ground with students and families, what are some of the common mistakes that you see them making when they're completing the FAFSA? I would say parent information is one of the most common mistakes I see. A lot of parents and students think it's all about who claims the student on their taxes. That is not true. For example, very common scenario, Tommy, my parents are divorced. I don't know who to list on the FAFSA. Well, it's whoever you uh, the student lives with the most in the last 12 months. It's not about who claims you on your taxes. So then I'll get, well, I've you know lived with my parents 50-50 to the day. So wh- what do I do then? Okay, well, it's whoever has provided more financial support to you than in the last 12 months. Well, my mom and dad split that 50-52. It's all down to the penny. We got that all situated. It is totally even. Okay, well, then it's whoever makes the most money. And then they kind of go, oh, okay. So a lot about parent information. People don't know who to list on the FAFSA. They're not 100% sure who's a parent. So we only have biological parents, adoptive, and step-parents that count as parents on the FAFSA. A lot of students who live with grandma and grandpa want to list grandma on the FAFSA, and they're not allowed to, unfortunately, for financial aid purposes. Another common one I would say was students think that they're independent students, but they're not. So 99% of the students I work with are dependent students because they're simply under the age of 24. But a lot of students will say, well, I'm moving out at the age of 18 and I'm living on my own. It's like, okay, well, no, who's... Who's still paying for all that stuff? Do you have a child, for example? No, I don't. Okay, well then for financial aid purposes, you're still going to be dependent. I'd say a third uh, common mistake I see has to do with assets. Assets can be a very confusing question. There's a lot involved with assets, but a lot of parents I see will think that their retirement savings accounts will um, count as assets. So they'll report their net worth of their retirement savings plans and retirement plans do not count as assets for purposes of FAFSA. Thank you for including those examples. I think it's going to help our audience so much to learn from some of those examples as well. They might relate to a lot of those. So, you know, you work with students and families all the time in your role at ISAC. How important is financial aid to the students and families you currently serve in your role? I'd say it's everything, you know, compared to some of the other families that might be going through the college going process that are maybe more fortunate or not first generation, they're concerned with the most about where their kid's going to go to school. The students and families I work with are concerned if their kid's going to go to school at all. And it's all about the money. I mean, I I gave an interview uh, and uh, a speech to the donors of North Central College, my sophomore year of college. And they basically, you know, wanted me to kind of talk about my experience and maybe some, you know, of the reasons why I came to North Central. And I was very honest with about 200 of these, you know, millionaires and billionaires. I said, it's because of the money. I, you gave me money and I was able to come here. That was my option. That was my only barrier. So that's what my families and students I work with now, that's what they're concerned about the most is where am I going to go that's most affordable? I don't really care where it is. It just needs to be affordable for me and my family and my kid. So I'd say that's probably, you know, a nice scale of how important it is for them. It's, it's not about where they want to go. It's just if they can go at all. With working with those families, what are some barriers or challenges you've encountered when it comes to families completing the FAFSA? Yeah, especially now with COVID, I have heard of a lot of issues with just lack of internet access, for example. So students and families are having issues even just getting on the internet to complete the application. The site is really glitchy. It's a government-run site, so FAFSA.gov. And the FSAID site, fsaid.ed.gov, both those sites are very glitchy and they have a lot of issues with it that I can't explain. 
So a lot of people, you know, ask me about troubleshooting him, and I don't even have a lot of the answers for that sometimes. I just tell them to kind of wait a few days and hope the site resolves itself. And just people just not knowing what to do. They, they don't know where to start, and they're freaking out about it because, you know, it's now a graduation requirement. So I have a lot of sort of panic feel from parents, especially that, you know, they don't know how to start. They don't really know what it is. And that they're really worried because it's a graduation requirement. So I think those are the biggest barriers and challenges I've seen this year in regards to FAFSA. You obviously work with all of these students and families in a variety of settings. Typically in in non-COVID times, a lot of those are probably in person. Oh, given the current nature of everything, um, your company, your organization is doing a lot of things remotely. How has providing FAFSA assistance remotely changed as opposed to offering it in person? Yeah, it's been very uh, difficult, I'd say. I was very concerned in the summer going through um, our uh, CoreCon training we have every single year about how are we going to get this information out to these students and families, especially now that it's a graduation requirement. I mean, our needs are probably... Uh, in higher demand than they've ever been before. I was very concerned about how we're going to get access to these students and families um, because we are officially remote until the end of 2020. So just simple things like I can't see what they're talking about sometimes. Um, We do have these video conferences where we can kind of share screens, but I had a student call me today, for example. Um, Her parents' FSAIDs are locked and they're not letting her sign the FAFSA. But then her brother, who's using the exact same information, is letting him sign and it's not a big deal. So she's on the phone with FSAID hotline and she's going through all this FSAID information and no one's helping her and she doesn't know what to do. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what it is because I can't see what you're talking about. So we have scheduled some kind of video conference so I can hopefully try and see what she's talking about to try and help her. So it's just a lot of just, you know, that interpersonal communication and just being able to see her and talk to her about what's going on. You miss some of those components. And when I have those, it's easier to help those students. But especially now in virtual world, my phone and my email have been pinging a lot more, which I'm happy about because this is the only way for them to contact me for them to get help. So I'm glad it's been, you know, I'm hearing a lot more dings uh, in my room uh, versus when I'm out in office hours um, and I'd be in person able to talk to the students. So you already mentioned, you know, with the fabrication now being a requirement for high school graduation here in the state of Illinois. You mentioned that you've already seen an influx of more families or more contacts. What are some of the ways, most common ways that parents and students and families do reach out to you? And when they do reach out to you, what are some of the maybe circumstances they're reaching out to you about or maybe some of the outcomes you hope to achieve? So the way they've been able to access me now Sometimes it's through a counselor. So they go to their counselor. Counselor will give them my contact information and then they will contact me. Most of the students should have my contact information available to them already. So they can email me. They can text me. They can call me. Anything like that. Those are my only three big ways I can get in touch with anybody um, in this virtual world. So when they do contact me, it's basically just help with FAFSA. They're not 100% sure what a question means. They're not 100% sure what they need to report. They're not 100% sure what schools they need to put on the FAFSA now if they haven't applied to. So things like that. So I just get a lot of FAFSA scenarios about, you know, here's what I'm thinking and I don't know what this means. So my goal first is if I can answer it via an email or a text message thoroughly, that's my first kind of line of defense. And hopefully that helps them. I say, does that make sense? I try to get feedback from them. If that doesn't help, um, phone call, let's talk. And then if that still doesn't help, kind of similar to how I helped that student today, I say, okay, I'm going to schedule a video conference call with you. Let's share screens. Let me see what you're talking about so we can receive the desired outcome, which would be getting FAFSA completed, getting your financial aid completed. So A, you're not worried about that graduation requirement, and B, hopefully you're going to be able to get some need-based money for you and your family or access to federal loans. Awesome. What are some ways that you think completing the FAFSA or just applying for financial aid in general could be made easier for students and families? My gut wants me to say we have to make the application simpler. But then due to my training through ISEC, I understand why they ask all of those questions and why it's so confusing. They have to measure you know, financial strength as best as they can and potential financial strength even in the future through this application. So that's why it's so loaded. That's why it's so confusing. So to make it easier, knowing that I think the application still needs to be complex, 
I think counselors need to maybe be trained better because they're more on the ground with the students than I am or have me in there more often, perhaps just more hands on activities that the schools can require and make, you know, mandatory, whether it's okay, everyone, every senior is attending the seminar, it's going to be an assembly, you can have something like that, or all four or 500 seniors, whatever the class size is, we're going to listen to the seminar, we're going to talk about financial aid, so you can have your questions answered. And then later on in October, November, December, whenever it's available, we're having a senior class-wide workshop. We are sitting here for the next three to four hours. It's going to be a half day. The entire day can be dedicated to that. We're going to get this done. We're going to have our representatives from the state. We're going to have counselors on the ground. Everyone's going to be walking around. Your parents can come if they want to. We can even hold an evening one. Just more accessibility to be able to get it done, I think is going to make it easier. We've, we've talked a lot about completing the FAFSA, we've, but a lot of families wonder, well, how does this get to the colleges or, or what happens next? Can you briefly describe kind of how that connects with the colleges? Sure. So when you complete FAFSA, it generates a number known as the expected family contribution. Once that happens, it takes about three to five days to process successfully, and it will send your FAFSA to the schools you've listed on the application. So they'll receive that data, and this is when they're going to be at, begin to work on a package for you and your students. I get a lot of questions from families like, well, you know, I make this amount of money a year, so I'm not going to qualify. Like, what's the threshold, Tommy? And I go, well, there's, there's not really a threshold. There's not really a, a limit. There's not a hold on it. It's it, it takes a lot more things into account. So the school's receiving your FAFSA information, and they have to take a lot more things into account than just what you make. Maybe you have four siblings in college versus just one. Maybe you own another property. Maybe you are, one of your parents are disabled and they're receiving disability income from the government and maybe only one parent's allowed to work. So there's just a lot of different things that the FAFSA central processing system takes into account when they calculate an EFC and the schools you're applying to receive all that information. So that's why when you fill out in the fall, in the winter, your schools are emailing you and calling you saying, hey, we're going to need some verification documents here. I, I need a copy of a tax transcript from you. That'd be great. Do we just want to verify what you put on the FAFSA? Once they get all those documents and they got to process that, then finally in the spring is when you're going to receive the award letter and the financial aid packages from the schools. That's when you get the official numbers from the school indicating what your cost of attendance is going to be. On that note, you know, obviously, given the COVID times that we're in, these are unique times for many reasons, but even when it comes to financial aid, for some of those unique situations, how can students make notes or, or contact their colleges to let them know about those circumstances? And can financial aid offers or information change? Yes, excellent question. This has been a very common question I've gotten throughout the year thus far in FAFSA season. So I still need parents and students to use 2019 financial information to fill out FAFSA. That's the proper way to fill it out. And then again, I'll get that question. Okay, well, 2020 looks a lot different, Tommy, than 2019 significantly. So I don't want to get, you know, missing out on this need-based money that 2019 I may not have qualified for, but 2020 I definitely think I do. So I go, okay, I still need you to use 2019 information, but when it processes successfully, I want you to call all of the schools whom you've sent FAFSA to or that you're interested in applying to and seriously going to, then call their financial aid offices and you need to explain to them your situation. Hey, 2019, both parents are working. Things are going decent. 2020 hits, COVID hits, both parents lost their jobs, significant decrease of income, we're struggling, et cetera. Give them your story. Be very honest, be open and be transparent. They can adjust financial aid offers on their end. The financial aid offices have complete control over that information. Yeah. You know, sometimes as counselors, you know, I always recommend, okay, contact the admissions office, contact the admissions office. Mm-hmm. But I mean, would you say it's just as useful to also be in contact with the financial aid office? Yes, I think the financial aid office might be the most important people to be in contact with um, because for at least for the students and families that I work with, because money is their number one concern. So you can get more information out of them, perhaps. And they're the ones who might make it possible for you to attend that school before, you know, we contact admissions about anything because financial aid has a lot more information about that than, say, admissions would. Do you have any go-to like cost-cutting tips or cost-saving tips like when it comes to college that you recommend to some families or students? 
So we talk about in um, our financial aid presentations I give to a lot of schools, you know, differences between direct and indirect expenses, right? Direct expenses is money that has to go to the schools and you really kind of can't control that. But indirect expenses is costs that you can kind of mitigate a little bit. Number one, tuition, that's a direct expense. I know I got to pay that. That's going to the schools. I really kind of can't control that. But room and board, I can control, right? So if you can commute still to a four-year institution, for example, I would highly recommend doing so. I know it's not very popular with a lot of the students. You know, they want to get that on-college campus experience. I uh, totally understand that because I wanted the exact same thing and I got that exact same thing. But I always love look back on that and say, well, wow, I could have saved literally 40 grand in room and board because it's over 10 grand a year to live on campus and have a meal plan and have a place to stay and everything like that. So that's one tip. Um, The other one is, well, if you do live on campus, there's different things you got to think about. What am I going to spend for clothes? What am I going to spend for toiletries? What am I going to spend for health supplies? If I do commute, I need a car. Well, what kind of car am I going to get? I got to buy insurance. I got to buy gas. I have to maintenance the car, right? That all costs money. So you got to think about what are the best ways that I can mitigate those costs. Maybe there's a train I could take instead of driving, or I don't, you know what I mean? There's just different ways you have to think about these things. Uh, the books, um, a lot of people, you know, you got to find those right sites and sources to get textbooks. Do you go to the bookstore on your campus and buy them new? Or do I go to Amazon or Chegg or one of these other sites and I rent the book used? It's crazy how much money you could save on books if I'm renting used textbooks. Some professors will tell you, you know, you got to buy this book. You're going to use it the rest of your time in college. Me personally, I never had that experience. I never needed a book after I was done with the class. So I always kind of erred on the side of caution. I said, well, if I need it again, I'll find a way. I rent used. I saved hundreds and hundreds of dollars a semester. And it was really, really helpful for me and my family. Because some people can spend over five, $600 in textbooks a semester. That's crazy. And then you mentioned you're in graduate school. Mm-hmm. How has graduate school been in terms of financial aid? Yes, it definitely is different. Need-based money for grad school is not really a thing. And that's pretty much for any, you know, professional degree, I would say. I'm relying, thank thank God ISAC is covering this tuition for me. We have a tuition waiver at ISAC. Once you pass your six months grace period, they will cover at a public institution in Illinois the tuition for you, which is super, super nice. So I'm very much taking advantage of that. But let's say I didn't have ISAC and I wasn't working for ISAC and my other, maybe another employer was not offering that option. My option would be unsubsidized loans because I am a now independent student because I have a bachelor's degree. So I don't qualify for subsidized loans or anything like that. Um, So unsubsidized loans would be the only option I would have. Would you say it's even more important in that way for students to really plan smartly in terms of, you know, undergrad, there's a lot more options, maybe trying to save the most money in undergrad? Yeah. So, I mean, a huge tip I'd have too, just in general, is you got to make sure having student loan debt is okay. Like everyone has it and it, it, it's it's going to be worth it. You do want to get it done, but at the same time, you don't want to go overboard. So you can, if you're thinking to yourself before you go to college, well, maybe I want to go to law school or maybe I want to go to med school or I want to do this kind of master's degree program. If you're thinking farther than undergrad, you got to make sure you're pacing yourself financially to get there because you can take on debt all the way through. That's fine, but you want to save yourself. If you take on six figures worth of loan debt your undergrad year, well, then you're going to have to do that even more for your master's degree program. And then once you graduate, you have to think about it as a cost-benefit analysis. Is my salary, is the money I'm going to be making once I even graduate graduate school going to be worth the investment for all of this debt I'm going to be able to be taking on? Am I going to be able to pay that off in a reasonable amount of time in my career? So you're really going to kind of mitigate yourself for that. So if you are thinking about graduate school as a legitimate option for you in your career and in your field, then you want to be able to take out as little undergraduate debt as you possibly can. So then you might think about a community college first, no matter what, for first two years to really save some money, then transfer to a university for your last two years of undergrad. Then you can apply for graduate school and then you can really kind of take on more debt in order to complete that. 
Thomas, as we finish up this interview, so so thankful for all the tips that you've had to offer and all of the experiences that you've shared. Super helpful for our audience. Um, I guess to close, you know, I just want to ask you if you could give your high school or even your college self financial aid tips and lessons learned, what would those be? I think the one I just mentioned is number one for me would be um, know the difference between a subsidized and unsubsidized loan um, and then only borrow what I need. I know a lot of students and families just take out the full max amount in federal loans just because it's there. And, you know, they may not necessarily need it. Maybe they didn't need all five grand of it. Maybe they only needed four. And that's huge because you think about what subsidized and unsubsidized loans, again, subsidized interest is being paid off by the government while I'm in school and unsubsidized, that interest is going to occur for the four years I'm in school. So I know $1,000 doesn't sound like a lot, but when you take out a $1,000 unsubsidized loan, and then you occur interest on that for four years, that's a lot more money now. And if you knew back way back when you could have maybe saved that, if you really didn't need to borrow it, that's going to be super helpful for you down the road. So I would say pay attention to loans. Don't be afraid of them, but just be educated on them and know what you're doing when you borrow. Number two for me I really wish I kept track of my FSA IDs better for myself and for my parents. Again, you only need one parent to make an FSA ID, but I didn't know that. So I made both because I didn't, I didn't know that. I thought both had to sign. So I would keep that super organized, separate email addresses, make sure they're personal email addresses, not your schools. Um, separate phone numbers, verify those. Keep social security numbers on track. Make sure those are correct because that's a huge headache if you got those wrong. Usernames, passwords, et cetera. Make sure they're all organized. Make sure they're written down. Make sure they're separated so you know what you're doing when you go to log in because troubleshooting FSA IDs are such a pain in the neck. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Those were amazing tips. Thank you again for sharing all that you did. This will certainly benefit our audience and help students and families across the country learn how to college um, as first-generation students. So thank you, Tommy, again for your time. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to today's guests, and thank you for tuning in today to How to College for First Gens. As you can see, there are many lessons to be learned from our guests today, from the importance of being organized to advocating for yourself, or even simply just learning about the FAFSA earlier. We hope you found today's episode to be helpful. And for more information about the FAFSA, you can head to www.fafsa.gov. As always, you can find us online at howtocollegefirstgen.org. If you have any questions or feedback, as we want to hear what you think, what you're struggling with, and how we can help. If you prefer to reach us on social media, you can find us at How to College First Gen on Instagram and Facebook, or HTC First Gen on Twitter. Remember, you are not alone in this journey. Until next time.